This hour of Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Tucson Federal Credit Union and the Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. Now back to Spears and Ali on 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4 ESPN Tucson. It's game day. Welcome to Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4. If you have an HD radio, a lot of newer cars do. Hit us up over there. You get Spears and Ali on HD radio. It's a crisp version of our live show. So hit us up over there at 94.9 HD Channel 4. And as always, uh, we're streaming on ESPNTucson.com, the ESPN Tucson mobile app. And uh, you can check us out on the Spears and Ali podcast located wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or Audible. Justin Spears, uh, no Ali Farhang today. He'll be back in studio tomorrow. Of course, we have world-class producer Andrew Trujillo on the boards, as always. And we got a full show today. Uh, We're going all the way until 6 o'clock, and uh, we have a full lineup of guests. Derek Montilla from PHNX, he covers the Arizona Diamondbacks. Why are we getting the D-backs guy on our show in February? Well, pitchers and catchers reporting today. Um, And they're in Phoenix right now. You got... Spring training right around the corner. You got updates to Major League Baseball. Apparently the uh, the base sizes now are like the size of pizza boxes. They're uh, incre- oh, right. increasing they the size of, of the bases. So it, there's some, some tweaks that are being made to baseball that will be new this year. And uh, so we'll talk to Derek Montilla about all those changes in Major League Baseball coming up at 325. And then at 425, Jody Ayler from... Fox Sports in Phoenix. He'll be calling in to uh, talk to us about a couple of introductory press conferences going on in the Valley today, which we'll discuss in top three headlines. And then P.J. Brown, my amazing colleague from the Arizona Daily Star, will uh, call in and talk about the Arizona women's basketball team and and their homestand against the Mountain Schools this week and uh, what's the latest on that end. Uh, So, again, Full show. If you want to call in, 719-1490 is that phone number, 719-1490. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Tiger Woods today. He's back in action playing in the Genesis Open at Riviera Country Club. Uh, he uh, is in the middle of his first round right now, but so far so good. Birdied on one and is even through four holes last time I checked. So uh, we'll have an update on Tiger Woods. And uh, right now, Max Homa is in the lead. He shot seven under today. John Rahm not far behind at six under. And then uh, you have Matt Kuchar at five under as well, and he's in third place. So I'm uh, I'm banking on John Rahm to, to win this event. He was close at Waste Management this past weekend. Uh, was right there knocking on the door to uh, to beat Scotty Scheffler, but obviously uh, Scotty Scheffler was able to pull away. So I think John Rahm will have an impressive round at the Genesis Open, and I'm putting my money on him to take the whole thing. Um, and today's Thursday, so we'll also do a Throwback Thursday segment, talk about what happened on this day in sports history. And, of course, with All-Star Weekend this weekend, we'll uh, take a look around the NBA and also have an overview of the Western Conference standings. We'll go down every single team and talk about their future in the second half of the NBA season. And as always, Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson is presented by Tucson Federal Credit Union and the amazing Volpe team at Nova Home Loans. All right, let's get right to it. 
top three headlines heading into today. One. One. Kevin Durant, officially a member of the Phoenix Suns. KD had his introductory press conference earlier today at the Footprint Center, and my goodness, it drew a lot of people there. And, you know, you made a really good point, Andrew. If you're a fan, you're you're right, because if you're a fan and you go to an introductory press conference for a player, you're dedicated. Mm Mm-hmm. You're as you dedicated as get. Nothing going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you? What are you doing at 2 p.m. on a Thursday, man? You got to be somewhere. You got to be at a job. That's what I. I always say that whenever I'm stuck in traffic. If it's like in the. Mid- you're at an introductory press conference. No, no, no. If it's like in the middle of the afternoon and I'm stuck in traffic, I'm like, damn it, people. Don't you gotta like be at a job or be somewhere? Jeez, Louise, why are you guys out here on the road? Um, yeah. But people still showed out for KD's introductory press conference. A lot of people are very excited about Kevin Durant now, the newest member of the Phoenix Suns. And it's a, a great core. You know, you talk about KD, Devin Booker, who is an all-star guard when he's healthy. You have the number one overall pick in DeAndre Ayton, who we all know and love down here in Tucson. He's a walking double-double. And then you got a top-five point guard in Chris Paul, who just the other night put up 19 assists in a game. So... Uh, it's a solid core. I really like the Suns' chances uh, coming out of the Western Conference. But KD had an introductory press conference today, and he addressed the Phoenix Suns crowd. Said, hey, I know everyone's excited, but I still got work to do. Here's what he had to say. Well, well I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, I truly don't think I deserve all this because I, I know I've done a lot of good things in basketball, but I haven't done them yet in a Suns jersey, and I'm looking forward to doing it. So, um, I want to go out there and do as most as I can and be the best that I can every day for you guys. So I appreciate the warm welcome, but I got more work to do. Got a big old ovation out there as well. But the best part about uh, KD's press conference is it, it drew the, the national media, right? It, it brought out the, the big guys from ESPN, and it also brought out uh, the the former – or maybe he's current. I don't know if he's like the official KD guy or if he's the the Brooklyn Nets uh, reporter for ESPN. But Nick Ferdell, and I really love Nick Ferdell's work. I think he does a great job covering the NBA. Um, he was the guy who didn't back down from Kyrie Irving in the press conferences when Kyrie Irving got into his you know little social media antics, posting links to anti-Semitic stuff. And Nick Ferdell didn't back down asking Kyrie Irving the tough questions. Uh, Nick Ferdell went from the Warriors to the Brooklyn Nets, has been covering the KD era for the last several years now. So, again, I don't know if he's the Nets guy or the KD guy, but Nick Ferdell does a great job, and he's always willing to ask those tough questions. So, Nick Ferdell, covering the Brooklyn Nets for the last few years in Phoenix, he stands up to the microphone and has the guts to ask a question about the Brooklyn Nets in an arena full of Phoenix Suns fans. Kevin, Nick Friedel, ESPN. Hi. Uh, how would you sum up your time in Brooklyn? How would you sum up your time in Brooklyn? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> and he laughs. <laughs> It was uh it was uh it was a lot of ups and downs, but I love the grind. So and 
everybody in Brooklyn loved the grind too. So I built a family over there. It's, they're going to always be a part of my journey. Uh, so we didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish as far as winning a championship, just like I told him. But I enjoy the grind. And everybody there, we tried our hardest every day, regardless of what was going on in the media, what was going on with our teammates. Everybody who was in that gym, we grinded. So I love those guys. I get emotional to talk about them because that was a special four years of my career, coming off of Achilles, and they helped me through a lot. So I don't have anything. Um, So, yeah, it was terrible how some stuff went down, but at the end of the day, I love the grind. And we all love the grind there in Brooklyn, and I wish them the best going forward. They got a bright future. And the Phoenix Suns certainly have a a bright, immediate future with uh, KD as their new leader. Uh, KD averaging 29.7 points, 6.7 rebounds, 5.3 assists, shooting 56% from the field this season. Uh, when he's healthy, we all know what Kevin Durant is capable of. That kind of production, when you bring that in to a healthy Phoenix Suns roster, and again, I emphasize healthy, attrition is going to be key here for Phoenix. It can't just be KD and Chris Paul and no Booker. can't just be KD and Booker, even though I think they are capable of getting to the Western Conference Finals if, if KD and Booker are carrying the load. But they're going to need DeAndre Ayton to hold up his end of the bargain as the number one overall pick, the guy that they gave all that money to this offseason. And then Chris Paul, I mean, he signed up to – he went there to win a championship. And now he doesn't have to have this number two role. He could be the facilitator. He could be the guy that's setting pick and rolls or getting into pick and rolls with DeAndre Ayton or kicking it out to – Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. I just think about the flow of the offense and all the different things that they can do together as that core four. And sky's the limit for them. But again, if these guys aren't healthy, and that's the issue, is that Chris Paul's dealt with his fair share of injuries over the last several years. Devin Booker has missed a significant amount of time. I mean, he just came back after missing a lot of time with the groin injury, and KD has been inconsistent in and out of the lineup with his injuries. Um, so really, I mean, the, the only guy who hasn't really dealt with injuries and that's kept him out for a long time is DeAndre Ayton. All the other guys, it's really a crapshoot. But man, if those guys, if all those guys can stay together and stay healthy, sky's the limit for the Phoenix Suns. Now, uh, Kevin, it's not a given that KD will come back right after the All-Star break because he's still dealing with his little injuries. I think it was his, his ankle is the most recent one. Um they're coming back and playing Oklahoma City. Wouldn't that be something? KD's first game with the Phoenix Suns is against the team that drafted him in the Thunder, the team that that made K, KD KD. Um, I think uh, that that would be really cool to see. But uh, according to Nick Friedle, it's not necessarily a given. Kevin Durant wants to take his time and work his way back. And I think the Phoenix Suns, I mean, they're playing good basketball right now, even without Kevin Durant. So they're like, hey, KD, you take your sweet time. We got a championship on our mind. Let's think about that. Uh, so yeah, Kevin Durant now the newest member of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, don't forget, um, we have uh, All Star Weekend this weekend. And oh, by the way, the uh, recent injury for Kevin Durant is a knee injury, not an ankle injury. Yeah, uh, but you, man. but yeah, you've been dealing with a, a little bit of a knee injury. Yep. Yourself, um, Mr. Gimpy over here. 
Thank you. Um, I, I feel I'm I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, but yeah, Kevin Durant. I, I can't wait to see this. It's going to be a lot of fun. All Star Weekend this weekend. Let's move to headline number two. Two. Oh, by the way, yeah, he'll he'll be walking to his car around six. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, you were uh... putting out a hit. <laughs> uh, real quick though, uh, Robert Sarver, the former Phoenix Suns owner, uh, actually donated twenty thousand dollars to uh, employees. He gave multiple twenty thousand dollars for uh, certain employees just for bonuses, and then he also donated uh, five million dollars to the Phoenix Suns team charity. So even though he's not the owner anymore, I thought that was a pretty classy move by Robert Sarver to make that uh, donation. But our second headline for today, the Arizona Cardinals. Man, busy day in the Valley. You know, we had Super Bowl, waste management, all that stuff. But, hey, today, two introductory press conferences. Not only did you have Kevin Durant at Footprint Center, you had Jonathan Gannon, uh, the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals and no at State Farm there. Stadium. And I feel like nobody really <laughs> cared about that one. But uh, no, Jonathan Gannon, the former defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, has been there for the last couple of years. When you think about the, the names that have been in the, the running to get the Cardinals job, Jonathan Gannon obviously wasn't the first choice on the list. It wasn't even the 10th. Uh, and. <laughs> Vance Joseph interviewed for the job. Uh, we'll, we'll get to him in just a little bit. But Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles have one of the top defenses in the NFL this past season. Even though they didn't have any sacks against the Kansas City Chiefs and absolutely had a meltdown. or I wouldn't say a, a meltdown, but they didn't play their best brand of football in the second half of that Super Bowl. Uh, but I think Jonathan Gannon's still a decent coach. Uh, but he had his introductory press conference today, and he was asked, what are the characteristics of a Jonathan Gannon team? This is what our team's going to be. We're going to be adaptable, we're going to be violent, we're going to be explosive, and we're going to be smart. And all three phases go into that. And we will maximize the talents of the players that we have, and that's how we're going to win games. And don't get it twisted, we're going to win games. All right. Well, you you got to win games with uh, your quarterback, Kyler Murray, who's still dealing with that ACL injury. And he's under contract for the next several years. So you are signing up for this arranged marriage with Kyler Murray. And Jonathan Gannon talked about his relationship with Kyler Murray and the kind of quarterback that he is. This is courtesy of PHNX Cardinals. You can tell that he's super competitive, which you have to be at that spot. And um, very self-aware. Uh, which I, I thought was really cool, the maturity that he shows when he when he, when we talked. And um, he ultimately, just like me, wants to get started and want to do great things and win football games. And I think that he knows whatever he needs to do to do that for the team, is, is that's what he'll do. We'll see about that. We'll see about that. I mean, Kyler Murray, uh, I think, is a, a good talent. Uh, does he completely apply himself, though, to – football and his craft and paying attention to the details. Sometimes I don't know, but we'll talk more about that later on. Uh, now, the big question is, what's going to happen with Vance Joseph? I mean, he wanted the job. He interviewed for it multiple times. He didn't get it. Jonathan Gannon is now the head coach. But Jonathan Gannon plans on keeping Vance Joseph and said that he's going to meet with him sometime soon. 
Garrett Vance Joseph. Yeah. What's your plan? With him I'm going to talk to him today. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to sitting down with Vance. I know Vance for you know a long time as a fan because he's done it at a high level. So uh, looking forward to talking to him about his vision for the defense and uh, if it blends with mine, and we'll we'll go from there. If it blends with mine, and then we'll go from there. Hmm. What if it doesn't blend with yours, then Jonathan Gannon? What's going to happen with Vance Joseph? Um, I would like to see Vance Joseph stay with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I think it would be cool to have, you know, a couple of uh, good defensive-minded, strong guys on the team. But who's going to be your OC? That's the big thing. You're a defensive guy. You need a strong offensive coordinator if you're Jonathan Gannon. That hire is really going to make or break what's to come for the Arizona Cardinals for the next couple of years. All right, let's just for the Colts. Confirm. <laughs> let's go to. Headline number three. 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 It's game day. Game day. Number eight, Arizona versus the Utah Utes. We all know what happened last time the Wildcats played against the Utes. Utah just clobbered them in Salt Lake City. Kirk Reese shot a gross one for nine mm-hmm. in that game. Yep. Arizona didn't shoot well as a team. But that was uh, at a point in the season where Arizona still had Pella Larson in the starting lineup. Cedric Henderson was coming off the bench. I know they most recently lost to Stanford, but um, I, I can't imagine at home against a team that you ju- against a team that you <laughs> lost to earlier in the season. Yeah, I, be- Arizona's going to come out playing with their hair on fire. You better knock on some wood. I mean, it. I'm just saying, and and I know Utah. Hey, they're a really good team. They're number three in the Pac-12, right? I know a lot of people are assuming, oh, Arizona's going to come in and take care of business. Utah's going to be a good test. And they're number three in the Pac-12 for a reason. Brandon Carlson, their starting big, is one of the top shot blockers in the Pac-12. Has been for the last couple of years. And he's going to really give Arizona's front court some challenges. Um, So I'm really banking on guys like Pella Larson, the former Ute, to have a big game. I also think Kirk Creesa, um, he, he had a decent game on Thursday against Cal. I mean, shoot, everybody did. <laughs> it's Cal. <laughs> They're 3-20 and 20 for a reason. They absolutely stink. Even though he didn't score, I thought he was really passing the rock you know, really well. I think that this time, expect Kirk Creesa to get it going from three-point range. Kirk Creesa, Pella Larson, the two golfing buddies on the Arizona basketball team getting it done against the Utah Utes. Uh, but game game day, man, tonight at 8 p.m., and special guest in the house, Josh Green, former Arizona Wildcat, oh, cool. current member of the Dallas Mavericks. He's being inducted into the Ring of Honor. And people are like, wait, why is he being inducted into the Ring of Honor? Well, his qualification to get into the Ring of Honor, he won a bronze medal with Team Australia in the Olympics most recently. Ah, Zeke Naji cool. is being inducted on Saturday, and he got – Freshman of the year accolades when he was at Arizona. Josh Green got a medal at the Olympics. So a couple Wildcats from that 2019-2020 team that we didn't see in the tournament because, thanks, COVID, um, they're, they're going to be inducted into the Ring of Honor this week. So should Hell be pretty yeah. cool. All right, coming up next on Spears and Ali, Derek Montilla from PHNX is going to talk about what's new with the Arizona Diamondbacks and also what's new with Major League Baseball and its rules. Stay tuned. More Spears and Ali coming up next. Spears. Justin Spears, I like that. And Ali. I want to be entertaining, but I'm not stupid enough to compare myself to Ali. We'll be right back on 1490 AM ESPN Tucson. 
You're listening to Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio, 1490 AM, and the Spears and Ali podcast. Spring training is right around the corner. So let's talk about what's happening with the Arizona Diamondbacks and also some new rules in Major League Baseball with uh, Derek Montilla from PHNX. Mr. Mayor, always a pleasure having you on the show. How's it going, my friend? Going great. How are you doing, my man? Doing good. So uh, I want to get your opinion on these new base, these new bases that are being installed in baseball because it looks like they're the size of pizza boxes. These new bases are pretty big. <laughs> They are pretty big, yeah, and I think the intention there is just to player safety. I know it kind of seems a little silly, but at the same time, uh, I think they had some research done that showed a lot of, like, uh, ankle sprains, a lot of finger injuries, you know, like you've seen the mitt some of the guys wear when they get on the base path and try to try to make sure they don't jam a finger or something like that. Uh, I think that it's just trying to limit the amount of collisions. Uh, there was one very funny photo that went around that I think a lot of people think is real uh, that was altered. The bases really aren't as big uh, as, as you might think. But, you know, again, a lot of the things they're doing with the MLB rules is to try to make the game more exciting. So, you know, even though it's like maybe four to eight inches or something like that difference uh, on the base path, they're still trying to do whatever they can to just kind of make uh, make, make baseball more exciting, give, bring, bring more stolen bases, uh, more successful, you know, uh, uh, pickoff, or, or I guess I, you should say like, uh, you know, attempts at doubles and triples and things like that, just yeah. trying to do what they can to improve the game. How do guys like Tori Lovello and the players on the team, how do they respond to something like this? Uh, well, I think Tori, I think they don't like it. I think that's the honest really? uh, opinion. Okay. Like nobody likes to have their game change, something that they've played for a long time and that they're used to. I think Tori is kind of running it with the attitude of these are the rules. We're going to accept it. We're not going to complain about it. We're just going to do it because it's not going away. So he's trying to get people on board, but I'm sure there's going to be some guys that have been playing this game for over 10 years at a major league level, uh, like Madison Bumgarner and, and some others that probably will have uh, some from some very warranted gripes about uh, some of the changes with the pitch clock and things like that. Uh, for me personally, it's almost more of the engagements and such more than it is the uh, than the pitch clock itself. You suck, Justin. All right. uh. You get that from my boss, by the way. <laughs> Tell Saul I love him, too. I <laughs> love you, too, Saul. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> hey, so what are these uh, these buzzers that these uh, umpires are wearing nowadays? Okay, so, like, basically what it is is they want the umpire to still be able to focus on making the balls and strikes call behind the plate. So all the buzzer does is it alerts the umpire when the pitch clock has reached zero. Right. The, uh, the, the pitcher actually has to start their pitching motion. Um, but it's not really like they don't have to be like in motion. They just have to come to a full stop and kind of have, you know, their glove ready, ball in hand, ready to start their pitching motion in order for that pitch clock to stop. So the, the, it's, it's a lot. I think it's going to be a lot on the pitchers initially to have to think about on top of playing the game. And I think it's a lot for the umpires to kind of also have to worry about on top of paying attention to calling, you know, the, the balls and strikes at the plate. So I, I, they're, they're just trying to make it where the uh, umpire can pay a little less attention to the clock in the outfield and more on the game, but be notified if that clock hits zero. Derek Montilla from PHNX joining Spears and Ali on ESPN Radio. Um, I still can't get over Saul Bookman yelling that out. <laughs> That's so funny, man. Um, but what do you make of the D-backs and their offseason? I, I know they signed Evan Longoria. Is that pretty much their splash signee? How do you feel about the roster going into the new season? 
I would say their big splash is the fact that they traded Dalton Varsha, which was one of their most productive players, both defensively and offensively, to the Toronto Blue Jays for Gabriel Moreno and uh, Lourdes Gurriel. Lourdes Gurriel is a fantastic ball player, and I think he's going to be a welcome addition to this team. But Gabriel Moreno really was the, like, the crown jewel of that trade. The reason why is he just aligns so nicely with the rest of their young players that they have here at a major league level already. Uh, and he was a he was a top five prospect in baseball just last season uh, before the Toronto Blue Jays called him up and, and he exceeded his like you know uh, playing time to qualify him as a prospect this year. But he is right there with the guys that right now are on that top 100 prospects list, including Corbin Carroll and Jordan Lawler and Drew Jones. And uh, I think his him being uh, as exciting uh, as far as uh, as far as his upside goes for his future and being as young as he is it just helps the diamondbacks kind of develop who their core is going forward and who they're going to truly build around without having to make at least for the time being any of those big high dollar commitments to free agents to come in and change this team they really do have some of the most exciting young players in baseball on on this team and when they're all here playing together it's it's going to be fun to watch and I'm really excited to see Zach Gallen and what he's going to be able to do this season. I, I have to imagine that Zach Gallen is among the favorites to win the Cy Young, correct? Let me tell you this about Zach Gallen. He knows the name of every single writer that did not vote for him when it comes to the Cy Young last year. Now, wow. if you don't think that that is a level of petty that is going to drive <laughs> you to big things this year, I don't know. I don't know what more motivation you need, but like he definitely seems motivated. He definitely seems like he wants it. And, I mean, as far as, uh, like, I believe the betting odds go, he was a pr- relatively high favorite um, for uh, the Cy Young next year. So, I mean, a lot of a lot of experts are, are keeping an eye on, on what he's doing, especially with that, um, that, that inning streak that he hit last season. So how do you feel about just the, the way things are going with Torrey Lovello? Because, you know, not long ago – you know, last year it was like, okay, well, if, I feel like Tori Lovello, yeah, he's extended, but I feel like he's on the hot seat. And then the way that he developed the young talent over the course of last season, it really gave D-backs fans a lot of uh, hope and promise that Tori Lovello is, in fact, that guy. You know, you've been covering the, this team for a long time now, Derek. How do you just feel about Tori Lovello and the direction under his leadership? Tori Lovello is a, a fantastic human being. I mean, outside of this game, he honestly is one of my favorite, the, one of my favorite people I've met doing this, right? He's a sincerely um, compassionate, kind person that really does care about even us in, in the press corps, let alone like his own players and how he feels about them, right? So I think the idea there is he's the perfect kind of personality to, to bring up and have these young players be around because he does he, he does have that enthusiasm. He does have that level of kind of mentorship over young guys. Uh, I mean, other managers might not be supportive of their players going to play in the World Baseball Classic like he is, but he is emphatic about the opportunity to play uh, for your country and to wear your country's name across your chest. What an experience that is for you. And he also sees the value in you know his players getting ready early and doing the World Baseball Classic when they would be playing spring training games. He's just a different kind of person, and I think, uh, you know, there's there's a lot you could say about the wins and losses, and you could also look at the roster he's been given from year to year and kind of let that dictate if you think that, you know, the performance of the team necessarily fell on him at times, like in his ability to manage. There are things you could question about him, and I think the the one thing I heard about Tory or from Tory this offseason so far uh, is that he really is looking to, 
evolve as a manager and not stay the same guy he was when he started doing this, you know, 15 years ago or so, 20 years ago, you know, like he wants to become a better manager. So uh, one of the things that he's changed his philosophy on, for instance, is like the closer role and having that one guy that's a closer, whereas uh, some teams have turned to kind of just a situational relief pitcher in that role at the end of the game versus having a guy that you label as the closer and have go out there uh, each and every night. It's something that he believes in, but Mike Hazen and the front office kind of feel like the, the, you know, the closer by committee kind of thing is, is a better way to go. So he's really changed who he is as a person. And I think like that growth within himself is important because it just shows that, that he's still, you know, getting better as a manager. And, and that's the same kind of, I guess, leadership that he shows towards his young players about continuing to get better. Derek, before we let you go, I, I see that PHNX is doing a lot of great work uh, leading up to spring training. Uh, you guys just had Dre Jameson on the show talking uh, Valentine's Day stuff and about his offseason. That's right. Uh, what else do you guys have in the works right now at PHNX? Uh, well, we have some we have some great things. Derek Hall is going to be joining us soon to kind of talk about the team a bit. I know that we have the uh, the MVP event this weekend, which is was their fan fest, but now it's exclusively for like season ticket holders. So that was kind of a decision that wasn't obviously extremely popular, but a decision the team kind of had to make based on, I think, a lot of factors, including the Super Bowl being here the week that they would normally hold it. Um, but uh, for the most part, we're just going to be out there. Jesse and I will be out there uh, covering the team pretty much every single day, and, and you guys can catch the show and, and kind of get updated on what's been happening out at camp. Uh, they got like 10 more days of this, and then the spring training game mm-hmm. starts. So baseball is here, and, and things are going to be moving soon. Who do you would you who would you say is like the, probably the most popular fan base in Phoenix when it comes to spring training? Is it the Cubs? That's that's hard. Um, the Cubs, yes, because the Cubs, uh, the Chicago fans are here in in great numbers, and that Sloan Park is absolutely beautiful. But yeah. I would have to say maybe the San Francisco Giants because their Scottsdale Stadium is like one of the nicest ballparks you know in the Valley. And mm-hmm. honestly, the Giants fans they they make me jealous when I go out there and see how strong the fan support is for a Giants game on like even a weekday, let alone a weekend. Like they pack the place, and they're just really good fans. I think because of the fact that the Giants have been playing spring training in here uh, for so many years at the same, same stadium, has built a really, really good fan base out there. Yeah. You know, baseball is talking about how it's like a generational game, and we continue to like the teams that our parents liked and such. And, you know, uh, that's that's very true here during spring training with some of these games or teams that have been around for, you know, hundreds of years versus, uh, versus our own Arizona Diamondbacks that are still babies by comparison. Absolutely. Well, go check out all the spring training coverage from this year at gophnx.com. And also, don't forget to check out PHNX's work and coverage of the Arizona Diamondbacks on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Derek Montilla, always appreciate you. Thank you, as always, my friend. Thank you. And the views of my employer are not the same as mine. I do not feel the way that Saul feels at all. So I just want to put that <laughs> Derek, you the man. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. It's all love from Saul Bookman. All right, don't go anywhere. More Spears and Ali coming up next. I just I, I just threw an interception in the middle of the game, and I'm like running off the field, like damn it, shouldn't have thrown that, and I get I get benched, yeah. and then Ollie comes in and throws like back to back interceptions. <laughs> right. It's like see, it's just that kind of game, man. That's for you, we're bro. All, we're all That's for picks. you, bro. We're all picks yeah. Today. Now get back in there <laughs> and take my job. <laughs> Welcome back to Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 94.9 HD Channel 4, and the Spears and Ali podcast. ESPN Tucson, what? 
What kind of <laughs> what kind of what kind of remix is that? <laughs> For those on the podcast, you can't hear the music. Uh, it is uh, "All Star" by Smash Mouth, but it won't stop. Going. <laughs> it keeps going, it going, it going. Oh my goodness, what a remix! <laughs> Who makes these these soundtracks? People with too much time, time on, on their hands, hands. apparently. All right, uh, ESPN so Tucson invites you to the 98th annual Parada de los Vaqueros, the Tucson Rodeo Parade. It's all going down on Thursday, February 23rd, starting at 9 a.m. The parade kicks off at Ajo and Park. And if you want to see the parade route, the bathroom locations, ticketed grandstand seat availability, parking, and more, go to ESPNTucson.com. All right, so um, <laughs> that's Smash Mouth. <laughs> Remix just, it gets me laughing. Uh, all right, so let's talk some NFL for a little bit here. Um, Calvin Ridley, y'all remember Calvin Ridley? You have you probably haven't heard that name in a little while. Well, he was uh, with the Atlanta Falcons, star wide receiver, played for, uh, from the university or played for the University of Alabama. Uh, w- was a great player for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, well, he was a fifth round pick. Uh, or he, he wasn't a fifth round pick. Was he? A, was he a first or a second rounder? I, I'm, I'm forgetting what round he went, but oh, I'm all over the place with Calvin Ridley right now. But Calvin Ridley was a star wide receiver out of Alabama, went to the Atlanta Falcons, and then all of a sudden got himself into some trouble. Uh, what kind of trouble? First, well, first round. Of the was draft. was he a first round pick? Thank you, Andrew. Um, so what kind of trouble did Calvin Ridley get himself into? Well, he was betting on some games. Uh, he was found to have bet $1,500 total on games in the NFL. Now, this includes other games, right? This isn't just the Atlanta Falcons. But it is not proven that he bet against his own team. As a matter of fact, he has said over and over again that he has not bet against the Atlanta Falcons. He's always bet on himself and his team and also around the NFL. Um, so Calvin Ridley isn't out here shaving points, but I can understand why the NFL decided to suspend him because you're really starting to flirt with the integrity of the game. I know that sports gambling is not, it's not as taboo as it once was, but it's also still a thing that, man, it, as a professional athlete, as someone who's involved in the game itself, you shouldn't be getting involved in that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's a, it's really tough to monitor who is betting on what and, and what's going on where. It's really difficult to monitor that, and I think that's why the NFL decided, hey, we we found out that Calvin Ridley is betting on games in the NFL. Let's make an example out of him. And I think with him getting that one-year suspension or that indefinite suspension, that it pretty much scared a lot of people in the NFL, and they realized, okay, we can't be doing this anymore. Or at least we can't be doing uh, what Calvin really did and uh, and getting caught. So let's be <laughs> let's be mindful about uh, yeah. what what we have going on. Um, and I think that um, Calvin Ridley eventually uh, realized that he needed to take some time away from football, and he tweeted that he is take, taking some time away. He's like, I'm, I'm going to leave football for a little bit just to get my mental state right. And then in comes the news. 
that he is being suspended for betting on the NFL. And listen, I'm like I said, I'm the kind of guy where if he doesn't, if if it's not proven that he's betting on the NFL or betting against his team, then you shouldn't really give him that harsh punishment. But I also understand the integrity of the game and trying to, I, I guess, be mindful of that. You have to apply that when it comes to Calvin Ridley and his punishment. So the NFL made an example out of him, like I said, and. Calvin Ridley hasn't played in an NFL game since October 24th of 2021. So it's been a while, and he missed all of this past season because of the suspension. Well, yesterday was the first day that Calvin Ridley could apply for a a reinstatement. And if Roger Goodell, if he approves that he deserves to be back on the field, then Calvin Ridley... Uh, will be eligible to get, I think it's a, a little over $11.1 million, which is his fifth-year option of his rookie deal that he signed with with the Atlanta Falcons. So he's got some money at stake here. He wants to get back on the field, and he was traded from the Falcons to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the middle of the year. So now he's a member of the Jaguars, and he's trying to get back on the field and start playing for the Jags, and if Calvin Ridley is back on the field for the Jaguars, uh, look out for Jacksonville because they just went to the playoffs this past season. They beat my Chargers in the in the wild card round, overcoming a 27 to nothing deficit. But their defense pretty solid all season long. Trevor Lawrence grew up as a quarterback in the NFL, and of course he did it under the leadership of Doug Peterson. But Christian Kirk. A lot of people thought, man, the Jaguars are stupid for giving Christian Kirk that four-year contract, and maybe he should have stuck around with the Arizona Cardinals, but he had a very productive year this past season. And then you add in Evan Ingram, the tight end, and Zay Jones also kind of revived his career with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then you add in a guy like a Calvin Ridley. I just look at the, the core of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it's pretty noticeable to me, and I think that maybe we should start talking more about the Jaguars as a team to make some noise this upcoming season. I know that they made the playoffs and people are monitoring them. You know, the, the jig is up, like they're a decent team. But, hey, if they uh, they get some some guys on the defensive side of the ball, maybe get some, some depth up front on the offensive line, look out for the Jacksonville Jaguars in this upcoming season. But it uh, should be interesting to see what happens with uh, Calvin Ridley in his whole a reinstatement process with Roger, Roger Goodell in the NFL. Uh, if you want to call into the show, 719-1490 is that phone number, 719-1490. Uh, do you think that it was unfair for Calvin Ridley to be suspended for that whole year? Do you think that Roger Goodell should just hurry up and reinstatement, reinstate him? Call in 719-1490, 719-1490. Don't go anywhere. More Spears and Ali coming up next. Currywurst. I don't know if you've ever had currywurst no before. No idea what it's that is. Like like a, it's kind of like a hot dog, and then you get curry ketchup. It's like ketchup just with a little bit of curry. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That's why I call it curry ketchup. <laughs> I mean, I got that much. Yeah. Thank you for the explanation. <laughs> Thanks, John Madden. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, Justin's going to explain why they call it chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's vanilla ice cream with a little bit of chocolate chips in it. So many memories just going through my head listening to this. And the, all the Wii Shop music, or this is the Me Channel music. Yeah, I just why only time I ever played Nintendo Wii was uh, for Wii Sports. Yes, 
That is correct. Golf, <laughs> tennis, baseball. If you try to play anything else on the Nintendo Wii besides those two games, the Wii Sports and the Wii Sports Resort, you were just doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's the only ga- only game I ever played on the Nintendo Wii. Just bought the Wii for for Wii Sports. Uh, but speaking of uh, golf, man, I, I got down some Wii golf. Would lo- do the the target practice. Heck yeah. That, those that was always super fun. Uh, but speaking of golf. The uh, Genesis Open is going down at uh, Riviera Country Club in L.A., and Tiger Woods right now uh, is one under, and he's on the back nine right now. Uh, now, he's not anywhere close to the top of the leaderboard because the top of the leaderboard has uh, Max Homa, and he is seven under through his first round. John Rahm is in second, six under. And then uh, Matt Kuchar is five under right now, and, and so all three of on top are done. They're they're three. Yeah, they're rounds, done. So yeah, they're done. So Tiger still has uh, some work to be done, but hey, one under on the back nine, so far so good. Better than Pre- me. Pretty good pace. Better than a lot of people. Uh, and he's uh, matched up with uh, Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas. We're so. saying though that he has been one under, and then he'll go back to even. So he's kind of up and yeah. Down. But I will say this, considering the condition of his leg mm-hmm. and all the things that he went through, like he's not in a golf cart right now. No. Like Tiger Woods is walking the course. Mm-hmm. So, and I was wondering, you know, how he'd be able to maneuver during tournaments when he played. But hey, he's walking right now. Looks pretty solid. So uh, we'll we'll see how he does on the back nine here. Yeah. But at least there's no outside stress. It's not like he's paired up with Justin Thomas or anything. Or Rory. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait. Yeah. <laughs> But I thought it was interesting what uh, Tiger Woods said in regards to playing competitive golf because we've seen a lot of the greats play until they're essentially senior citizens. Mm -hmm. Tiger Woods talked about that during the pre-tournament press conference. Here's that clip. Tiger, you referenced Arnie and Gary playing 50-plus Masters. Is there any part of your competitive DNA that would allow you to enjoy? I'm not playing that many. Sorry. But like I'm sorry, is in tournament golf is there yeah. you know you, you <clears throat> reference like the history of the game and mm-hmm. the celebration people. If you're 60 and you don't wake up with the irrational belief I could win this tournament, could you still enjoy any of it? I, I, I don't. I have not come around to the idea of being. If if I'm if I'm playing, I'm playing to win. Okay, uh, I know that players have played and they are ambassador of the game and trying to grow the game. I. I, I can't have my mind. I can't wrap my mind around that uh, as as a competitor. If I'm if I'm playing in the event, I'm I'm going to try and beat you. Um, I'm there to get a W. Okay, so I, I don't understand that making a cut's a great thing. Um, I, if I enter the event, uh, it's always to, to get a W. And I, there there will come a point in time when my body will not allow me to do that anymore. And it's probably sooner than later. Um, but wrapping my head around that 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 transition and being an ambassador role and just playing and just trying to be out here with the guys, no, that's not in my DNA. Um, ambassador role and hosting events like this and hosting the, the Genesis Invitational um, or Hero and doing those type of things, I, I totally get it. Uh, but as a player, you know, I flip the hat around and become a player. Um, from a player standpoint, it, yeah, I'm, I'm here to get that W. Makes you wonder if Tiger Woods is ever going to play on the Champions Tour. 
Like would he, would, would he be okay with that? Because he's still playing to win, right? How old You're, is he? Uh, Tiger Woods is in his mid forties. Um, I think I think he's what like 46, 47? 47. 47, yeah. Um, and so well, you know he's three years. he's he's a few years away from the the Champions Tour, but Tiger Woods seems like the kind of guy where he's like I'm I'm cut from a different cloth. I'm I'm competing at the highest level, and if I'm not doing that, I don't want any any part of it. Um, and he just seems like that that, that, like that that kind of guy. And I'm not, you know, <laughs> trying to to say that because I I think I mean, you you go out to the Kolagar Classic every single year. Like, even though these guys are in their 50s and their 60s, they're still putting up impressive rounds. Oh yeah, right. Miguel Angel Jimenez. Golf. Miguel Angel Jimenez had two aces during last year's Kolagar Classic. Right. So, you know, it's still the you know the best of the best of the world, but. I don't know. To me, Tiger Woods just doesn't seem like that kind of guy to where he's going to be playing professionally for that long. He's going to milk the PGA thing for as long as he can, and then he'll figure out what's next for him. Maybe just mentor and, and coach up Charlie. Maybe just be, maybe he'll be Charlie Woods' caddy. <laughs> but but then that, that requires walking. I don't know if Tiger Woods is going to be up for be for walking all the time. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm just happy to see Tiger Woods back. Uh, I know I sound like an absolute casual when I say golf is just better with Tiger Woods, but it's true. Golf is better with Tiger Woods. Now, with that being said, John Rahm, he's got my money. I got him winning the whole damn thing. But Max Homa, 7-under through the first round, looking pretty good. So Genesis Invitational going on right now. Tiger Woods on the back nine. We'll have more updates throughout the show. Hour number two of Spears and Ali coming up next.